Welcome, Nexus Church family online to our series, When the Spirit Moves. Over the course of this series, we're taking a look at just what it looks like practically when we submit to the Spirit of God. And through the book of Mark, Jesus gives us very practical, hands-on ways that we can follow Him. And so over the course of these few weeks, we're going to be digging in in ways that you can apply in your life how to live for Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you would like more information, you can go to our website, nexuschurchmn.com. You can look us up on Facebook. You can message us, and we would love to get connected with you. Enjoy today's message. Welcome back, Nexus Church family, to week three in our series, When the Spirit Moves. Now, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the power of what the Holy Spirit does in a life when we allow Jesus to come in and fill us. Now, this week, we're taking a look in the book of Mark, chapter 5, in a fairly lengthy section at two ladies, one young and one older, who experienced some pretty severe pain in their, in their lives. And we'll be taking a look how God longs for us to be whole, and whether that's physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, financially. God desires for us to be whole in all areas of our lives. Now, how that looks might not be what we think it should, but in God's world, He deeply cares about us. And he is gracious to us. And so let's begin by reading this lengthy section, and then we'll kind of unpack that after we read. And so Mark chapter 5, verse 21. And if you're following along in your own Bibles, we are reading from the CSB translation, the Christian Standard Bible. And so Jesus crossed over by a boat to the other side. And a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the sea. One of the synagogue leaders, now this would be kind of a modern day uh, pastor or staff member at a church or some organization where that person is, is one of the high-ranking officials. And this is now in the temple. His name was Jairus. He came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet feet. And he begged him earnestly, my little daughter is dying. That understandably why he came begging. Come and lay your hands on her so that she can get well and live. So Jesus went with him and a large crowd was following and pressing against him. Now a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years had endured much under many doctors, but she had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. Having heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothing. For she said, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. Instantly, her flow of blood ceased and she sensed in her body that she was healed of her affliction. At once, Jesus realized in himself that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, 
you see a crowd pressing against you, and yet you say, who touched me? Where he was looking around to see who had done this. The woman with fear and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him, told him the whole truth. She was open and honest, right? Daughter, he said to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. While he was still speaking, people came from the synagogue leader's house and said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? When Jesus overheard what was said, he told the synagogue leader, don't be afraid, only believe. He did not let anyone accompany him except Peter, James, and John, and James' brother. They came to the leader's house and saw a commotion. People were weeping and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him. But he put them all outside, <laughs> and he took the child's father, mother, and those who were with him and entered the place where the child was. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl got up and began to walk. She was 12, and at this, they were utterly astounded. Now, from this story, we can gather a lot. But the first thing I want to point out to you today is this. We all experience pain and loss. Right? This story is no different than uh, many of you listening today. Now, maybe you haven't experienced that kind of drastic pain or sorrow or physical ailment, but... To you, it was just as real, just as hard, just as debilitating or life-threatening. You see, pain is real, and it affects us drastically. In our story, we have the equivalent of a pastor's daughter on her deathbed, and then in the inward part of the story, kind of in between the bookends, as Mark has been doing quite regularly in our study of the book of Mark, we have another story of a person who had been sick for 12 years. We have a girl who's 12, and near death, we have a person sick for that same exact length of time of her existence, dead, practically gone, but still holding on for 12 years. Now, these two were on drastic ends of the spectrum, right? You have a, in, in, in this time in Israel's world, this, this, this Jewish synagogue leader was pretty high esteemed, right? So his child was extremely well-loved in the community, well taken care of, somebody of high stature. And this other woman was a nobody, didn't even get a name. In fact, when somebody with her sickness in the Jewish law, when she would experience this blood loss as she was, whatever it might have been, a blood loss means you're ceremonially unclean. You couldn't touch anybody. She was an outcast, a nobody. But yet, she pressed in. 
risked her own life trying to be in this massive crowd and potentially touching other people who would get irate at her and potentially kill her. But yet she pushed through because she knew she'd given it all she had. No doctor could heal her. Nothing she had worked. She had one hope, and that was Jesus. You see, they didn't ask for this in life, right? <laughs> this Jairus didn't ask for his daughter to be all of a sudden out of nowhere on her deathbed near, near the end of her life. This, this lady had never asked to be sick for 12 years and become an outcast. You see, that's part of the fallen world we live in. God didn't intend it to be this way. He doesn't put that on a person. It is a result of our own choice to live outside of God's plans, to freely choose to go against Him and do our own thing. This is part of the world we live in that we can't change. But yet, even though we experience loss, we know that God cares. I mean, I'm sure every single one of you have a story of someone. No, I have my own examples in my own life of, of friends of mine who are, are my mentors. They were my pastors who both lost their loved ones at a young age. Both of them had kids. One had two teenagers. One had young kids, four young kids that, that they were left with. One spouse died of cancer. The other one unexpectedly on the, on the surgery table. Like, they didn't plan for this. They had kids. They had ministries that they were a part of. One was a pastor's wife. The other one was highly esteemed in the business world. And, and in, in his own ministry at his church, they did so much, cared so much for their kids and for each other, and were doing the best they could in life took their spouses away, and were left alone, questioning, wondering why. Why didn't God heal them? God can heal. We know he can. And they prayed and believed, yet God didn't. We don't understand these things. But if there's one thing we can get from this story that we read today, these two different accounts all sandwiched into one, is the fact that God cares. He is more powerful. He is gracious. We see this throughout the Bible, in particular, one of the, the best books to understand the depth of God's love and care for us in, in horrible situations is the book of Psalm. If you have not read the book of Psalms, I encourage you. This is, for the most part, David's writings of his, his ups and downs. And believe me, there was a lot of downs in David's life. We, we read of a lot of the good things, but there was a lot of bad things, too. And he experienced a lot of torment in the book of Psalms as his own writings of his dealing with his pains and sorrows and frustrations. And we see in the book of Psalms so many instances where, where we know that God cares. That David himself looks to God and says, I know you care. And in particular, we know that God cares about our spiritual pains. 
when we are left in this world and we've had loss and we look around and we're questioning, we can know that God cares, even though it doesn't make sense. Let me read one of these Psalms for you in, in Psalm 130. And listen to this. Out of the depths, I call to you, Lord, right? Like, out of the depths, out of this, this place of I feel like I'm in a dungeon, I feel like I'm in this, in this trench and there's no way out and I can't even sense you, God. But still, out of the depths, I call to you. Lord, listen to my voice. Let your ear be attentive to my cry for help. Lord, if you kept an account of iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness. Listen to that transition. With you, there's forgiveness so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord. I wait and put my hope in his word. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for there is faithful love with the Lord, and with him is redemption in abundance. And he will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. Now, of course, we can lay claim to that promise because we are now been grafted into the family of God. If you've put your faith in Jesus, we are now underneath that same promise that with him there's redemption in abundance. With him, he will redeem us and remove all our iniquities, all of our things we've done wrong. See, God cares about your spiritual pain. You may not feel like it, but those, those are lies. Those are not true. God in his word says he cares for you. Not only does he care for your spiritual connection with him, he cares about your physical pain as well. Listen to one particular verse found in Psalm 30 verse 2, where it says, O oh Lord my God, I cried to you for help, and you restored my health. God cares about our health, and he also cares about our internal pain. I want to read another short chapter in the book of Psalm, chapter 13. And he cries out, this is David, How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me? Agony in my mind every day. David was anxious. He was tormented inside. His inside was about to explode. I don't know if you've went through depression. I don't know if you've went through any anxiety attacks. I don't know if you've been crushed uh, on every side of you from the pressures of this world. But David experienced that. And listen to his cry. Consider me. Consider me and answer, Lord my God. Restore brightness to my eyes. Otherwise, I will sleep in death. Like he was to the point where he didn't know if he would live the next day because he was so depressed, so full of anxiety. My enemy will say, I've triumphed over him. And my foes will rejoice because I'm shaken. Listen to this. Verse 5 of 
Psalm 13. But I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. Something happened. God came in and he restored the health of David's mind. God cares about your internal pain. He knows the frustrations you're going through. He knows the feelings that you're feeling and he cares. Don't believe the lies of this enemy that wants to seek, kill, and destroy you. He wants you to think every negative thing about God. It's not true. God cares about you. We don't understand why things happen in this world. We don't understand why God allows things to happen, but we can know that God cares, and this is not his desire for you. He desires you to be whole. You are his child if you've called him to be Lord and Savior of your life. He cares about you. In fact, we read in Deuteronomy that he calls us the head and not the tail. He calls us the first and not the last. We are his prized possession. We are as his own son and daughter. He cares about you. So we have to understand that he cares about every single thing you're going through. And we also have to understand that he is more powerful than anything you or I will ever face. Man, he was more powerful than the lady's internal bleeding that she had for 12 years. The doctors couldn't do it. She spent all of her money. She did everything she could. She didn't get her answers. But one touch, one touch, one just brief moment, she was healed. She believed. Jairus' daughter, man, she was dead, like D-E-A-D, dead, gone. But Jesus comes in, and he brings her life. He raises her from the dead. God is more powerful. Listen to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 8, 9. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, right, he had fullness of life in heaven, yet for your sake he became poor. Now that's an understatement. He was tortured, beaten, ridiculed, rejected. He became that for us. For your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you could be rich. I want to make this very clear. We may not experience the fullness that we want in this life. We might not experience our physical or emotional or social or our, our relational needs. We may not experience the fullness that we want here on earth. But here's what we can know. Jesus made a way for you and I to experience fullness of life. We may not be 100% in our, in our physical, fleshly world's eyes, but internally, in, in our spirit, in our, in our being of who we are, you can have fullness of life. 
no matter what your outcome may be. God is more powerful, and he cares more about who you are inside than what you are on the outside or in any other way. That's his number one priority for you. How are you doing as you? And the last thing that we can know about our God through this story is he is gracious. God is gracious. Man, if there's ever a chapter where we can see the graciousness of God is in Lamentations chapter 3. And this is verses 22 through 33. Now, all of Lamentations is, is just this crazy book of just lamenting all that Israel had experienced and in, in the fact that they had left God and now they were in slavery and 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 Jeremiah is just crying out to God, lamenting for their sins and for where they were at. But then we get to this point in verse 22 of chapter 3 where there's this, this turn and there is hope and God breathes life and reminds his people of his goodness and his graciousness. Listen to this. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. For his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say the Lord is my portion, therefore I'll put my hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him to the person who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation from the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is still young. Let him sit alone and be silent, for God has disciplined him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. Perhaps there is still hope. Let him offer his cheeks to the one who would strike him. Let him be filled with disgrace. In a sense, what he's saying is wait and be humble, right? Wait and be humble. For the Lord will not reject us forever. Even if he causes suffering, he will show compassion according to the abundance of his faithful love. For he does not enjoy bringing affliction or suffering on mankind. Get that? He does not enjoy bringing suffering and affliction on mankind. He does not want you to be in pain. If, you are, if you're dealing with any kind of frustrations in your life, pain, sorrow, sickness, whatever it might be, he does not enjoy that. He wants you to have fullness of life. Does he allow it? The text says he does. Why? I don't understand. It's not because he is an angry God. It's not because he is some malicious God. He allows the things in this world to happen, not out of his control, but within his control. And he uses all things for good. You see, God can't overstep our will. And that's where we get frustrated. We think, well, God, we just need you to make things better. Well, it's because of our own choices and our own mistakes and others' choices and others' mistakes around us that we are in this situation. He can't overstep those bounds, but he can use those things for good. 
That's the beauty of this. God doesn't want it. He allows it because we choose it. And so he takes it and he makes it good. And so God is gracious and he turns our own decisions to good. And he does it when we do these simple steps. When we turn to him, what does lamentation say? What does is, what is Jairus do? They do a few simple things. They, first of all, enter God's presence, right? That's exactly what Lamentations talks about. Get into his presence. Seek him. Jairus went to Jesus and fell at his feet. So, so he entered the presence. We, have to, we want to experience the wholeness, the life that God has for us. Not perfection, not total healing and total restoration of all things. That'll happen in heaven. But if we want to experience the life, the joy that God has for us, we need to enter his presence and we need to be humble before him. That's exactly what Lamentations talks about. And that's exactly what Jairus did. He, he fell at Jesus' feet. So we enter his presence. We humble ourselves before him. And then we earnestly let him know our requests. What, what did Jairus do? He, he said to Jesus, come and lay your hands on her so that she can get well. Right? He was begging. He was begging. But not only was he begging. So first, we enter God's presence. We humble ourselves before him. We earnestly seek him. But then Jairus said something in that passage he said, come and lay your hands, and she will be healed. He had total confidence in God. Now, whether he was meaning full healing of health and, and total restoration of all she was, or was it maybe her spirit? We don't know. But if we earnestly seek God, we make our request to him, he will bring us fullness of life in what is best for us. Whether that's an answer to the exact prayer you're looking for in the way you wanted it or an answer to prayer in the way he wants it, what's best for us, he will answer it. But we have to have confidence in the power and goodness of Jesus that his answer will be the best answer. And then, after we've entered his presence, we've humbled ourselves, we've earnestly sought him, made our requests known, and trusted, we need to step back and remember that Jesus cares. He's more powerful. He's gracious. And as Jesus told Jairus, don't be afraid. Only believe. Don't be afraid. Only believe. God is good. He is good. And so, Father, I pray for every person listening today, wherever they are going through, Father, that they will come to you. Jesus, they will enter and earnestly 
desire you, make their requests known, and trust that you have the best in store for them, that you love them, that you want them to have wholeness of life, joy, peace, life. I pray that over their lives, over their families' lives over their friends, co-workers, classmates, neighbors. Jesus, point their eyes to you and help them see you for who you are and your love for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Nexus Church family, for joining us today. We'll see you again real soon.